Last week, the NDP had swore in its 57 members of the Legislative Assembly and named its cabinet. And throughout the day today, we have had a number of the newly named ministers on our airwaves. And right now, pleased to welcome to the show now Vancouver Point Grey MLA. He is BC's Attorney General, and he's now also responsible for housing. Mr. David Eby, Mr. Eby, thank you so much for the time today. Thanks for having me. All right, I just wanted to start with a quick look back at last week's actual swearing-in ceremony. You were one of the only people to really be in attendance, right, in the actual physical room as it was taking place. I just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on on how weird it was to kind of be in that position where the swearing-in ceremony was attended by so few people. Yeah, it was really strange. Uh, you know, in, um, in 2017, we were at Government House, which is the Lieutenant Governor's uh, house in Victoria, and it was this big, raucous uh, celebration. There were Nishka dancers and drummers celebrating Me- Melanie Mark's appointment, and uh, and then this one was in a big empty theater on the University of Victoria campus, and there was me, the Lieutenant Governor, and the Premier. So it was uh, it was a very different vibe, and it brought a lot of jokes about did we try to sell tickets or you know did no one want to come uh but uh but it was uh yeah it was a mostly zoom experience uh, and it feels like we'll have to do it properly once uh things get back to normal yeah for sure well uh it was a, it was a bit of a different take but uh, still we're able to get it done and happy to see you guys are going to be able to get back to the legislature in, in an abbreviated session here next week and uh, maybe we'll get to that in a bit but i wanted to start with icbc because you no longer have that as a responsibility under your portfolio that's going to now fall under uh, Mike Farworth, Solicitor General Mike Farworth's table. Um, just are you happy to kind of move away from that file? I mean, you spent a lot of time, a lot of work on that over the last three years in your previous term. Um, so I'm just curious if you're if you're happy to see someone else sort of take on that work, because I know it's been very time consuming for you. Well, I, you know, I really enjoyed working with the team in the public service and at ICBC to get these reforms done that are going to make such a difference for drivers in May. I mean, I, I do wish I was there a little bit for the big announcement in May when everybody's uh, uh, the, the vast majority of drivers insurance drops by 20 percent. And, uh, you know, families are saving, uh, you know, four hundred dollars or more on their insurance. Uh, but uh, but Mike Farnworth gets to do that. And I, you know, I can't think of a better guy. I um I will miss the file a bit, but I would never um, trade it for housing. I'm, I'm so thrilled to have the housing file and to be working on that. So uh, there was a lot of important work done to get ICBC back in shape, back in surplus, COVID rebate, rebate as we shift to the new system uh, and lower rates for drivers. And I'm uh, very proud of all of that work uh, that that team did uh, and, uh, and really excited about this new challenge of housing. Yeah, I mean, would you have any advice to Mr. Farnworth as he takes on ICBC? Like, are you going to be helping to sort of guide that transition to make sure he's fully up to snuff on what the file entails and what the kind of uh, plans are moving forward there? Yeah, it's a really technical file and it takes a long time to get up to speed. So I'll definitely be um, supporting Mike going forward. The the benefit of having ICBC in public safety is that they do a lot of the road safety and, and traffic enforcement and so on. So uh, the red light uh, cameras and the speed on red light cameras uh, that we did to to warn people, like, don't speed through red light here. That was all through public safety and Solicitor general. So to close that link between road safety and insurance rates, I think will be beneficial for everybody. All right, let's let's move on to the housing portfolio being added to your desk here. Um, I, you said you're excited to take on that role. I guess what is it about housing that sort of appeals to you and that's something that uh, is a challenge you want to take on here? 
Well, um, you know, first of all, I, uh, I came to politics uh, because of housing. I was working on the downtown east side of Vancouver and uh, concern about uh, city of Vancouver policies at the time was my first run in 2008, which I uh, promptly lost. But I, um, that's why I uh, threw my hat in the ring for politics in the first place. And uh, I was the opposition um, spokesperson on housing uh, for a number of years as well and really um, enjoyed doing that work. So it feels like a bit of a homecoming to me to this issue. I still know a lot of the people involved in the housing issue, uh, both for people who are homeless or at risk of homelessness and and all the way up to uh, the affordability of market housing for um, for uh, British Columbians. And, and so I'm uh, I'm really excited to be back on this file. It, uh, it feels like coming home and, and it's nice to see people again. And also I can hit the ground running, which I'm excited about. And, and when we're talking about housing being added to your portfolio, of course, Josie Osborne also taking on the role, right, as, as Minister of Municipal Affairs and Housing. I guess, how do these two roles kind of uh, intertwine? Is there sort of a, a relationship that needs to kind of develop there between yourself and Josie? Yeah, so the, the fascinating um, part about this file is how many different ministries it, it interacts with. So when you're talking about people who may be either living in shelters or outside, often they're facing challenges of mental health and addiction as well. And so working closely with the Minister of Mental Health and Addiction and uh, the Ministry for Poverty Reduction, uh, Nick Simons, our new minister there, and then uh, Josie Osborne is one of our newly electeds, but she comes to us as the former mayor of Tofino. Uh, so some significant local government experience. Uh, and and when you put all of these uh, ministries together, you can really have a significant impact. Uh, and, and the key of the local government uh, ministry is that there's not one project uh, that BC Housing does um, or is involved in that doesn't need some level of participation, cooperation, support of local government. So uh, her role in, in helping facilitate that is going to be really important. Do you think there's any unique challenges that fall uh, onto this file as a result of, of being in this COVID-19 pandemic? Is there any like, challenges that you have kind of seen and, and are excited to take on or maybe excited is not the right word, but just, uh, you know, looking to help improve here as we deal with COVID-19 and this housing file? Because I think there's a lot of things that sort of intertwine between those two problems. Yeah, I, I do love a, a good challenge and, and COVID-19 has been has had a really interesting set of impacts on the housing market. So, you know, at, at the market housing level, we see the uh, collapse of the Airbnb uh, tourist traffic um, that took up a lot of rental housing in major centres across British Columbia. And those housing units are coming back on as new rental units. So we're getting some insight into the impact of short-term rental on the housing market. That's one example. Another example of an impact is a number of shelters having to either close entirely or significantly reduce services uh, to do social distancing and uh, and maintain safety for people who use those shelters, which meant that we lost a significant number of shelter beds and services to support people either in housing or in shelters. And uh, the impact of that can be readily seen in the number of communities, even though, you know, we've got 3,000 uh, hotels and uh, temporary shelter units to respond to that. We can still see encampments across the province. Um, so uh, COVID had a huge impact on people at risk of homelessness and uh, and who are currently homeless in terms of the services they can access and, and on communities that now have encampments where previously they didn't. So that's a huge priority for me to um, both support the people who are in the encampments and the communities that are affected by them. Uh, and, uh, and so COVID uh, has had a really unusual impact in a couple of ways. One is in increasing market rental housing, but in the other, uh, really impacting the availability of emergency shelter options for people who are living outside. 
All right, so we talked about ICBC being taken off your plate. We talked about housing being added to it. But, of course, you're continuing on as Attorney General. Um, you know, do you have any specific goals or plans that maybe you didn't quite to get done in the last term that you're hoping to see get done this time around? I mean, now it looks like, you know, with the majority NDP government, you should have a little bit more, um, you know, ability, ability to move forward with, with uh, you know, plans um, and, and in bills. Um, and also just you have a full four years, so there's a better timeline and knowing exactly how long you're going to be around for. I guess it's just there anything specific you're looking to accomplish here in this next four years. Well, you know, as a reappointed attorney general, I come to the job with um, a pre-existing relationship with the courts. And obviously, um, you know, the courts are an independent level of government and, and they have their own uh, administration of their facilities, but they work very closely with government. And so, uh, you know, the COVID impacts on the courts dramatically reducing the number of sittings and, um, and uh, increasing backlogs. I've been working really closely with the chief justices to um, to reduce those backlogs, and we have some really exciting initiatives uh, underway with both the Supreme Court and the provincial court um, to uh, find ways to improve efficiencies and ways that the court system hasn't been looked at for a long time. I I know it's not something that everybody wakes up and thinks about in the morning, but if you do find yourself having to go to court for everything from fighting a traffic ticket or uh, you're involved in a family law dispute related to a family uh, breakdown or, or anything like that, or somebody sues you, uh, you know, you will know why we need to um, work with the courts to improve processes and to, and to make uh, the justice system a little bit more accessible for people, uh, actually significantly more accessible. So uh, we've got a lot of work underway there that uh, because of COVID got rapidly accelerated video conferencing and um, online tools that people can use to so that they don't have to take the whole day off work to appear in court. Um, these kinds of things are rolling out and, uh, and the foundation's been laid, but we have lots more work to do. So I'm, I'm thrilled to be doing that. Um, I'll last question, but uh, you talked about some of the unique challenges that the attorney general role has, um, you know, been facing as a result of COVID-19. You talked about, you know, things like Zoom and people not having to take a full day off work to attend court. That sounds like a real big benefit. So would you say that, you know, despite the fact that courts did have to shut down there for a while back in March, um, that there has been some positive, uh, you know, movement as a result of COVID-19, even though it's not the way the circumstances we would hope to get accomplishments done, but uh, maybe it has had a positive impact uh, kind of on the grand scheme of things yeah it, it has really uh, the silver lining uh, is that it has really focused a lot of uh, the folks in the justice sector everybody from police right through to the courts uh, about how uh, we can do things uh, better and differently it's brought a lot of goodwill and willingness to work through problems that you know previously people might have had a lot of meetings and oh what about this and what about that and and uh, now everyone's just like how do we solve this problem of we can't transport prisoners around the province because we might be spreading covid with them uh and so everyone's got to get the all hands on deck on getting video conferencing done for bail appearances and um and things like that there's uh, there's been huge momentum uh and the family law project that we were working on in victoria got expanded um, to surrey and will be expanded around the province because um it's reduced the backlog dramatically of family law matters uh, to the point that there's no backlog in Victoria related to COVID in family law. So when we see something's working to deploy it as quickly as we can across the province um, is, uh, is an opportunity that presents itself as well in, in what is really a crisis uh, that the justice system is facing. Mr. Eby, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate you doing this. And um, yeah, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. All right, that was David Eby, Attorney General here for the province of BC, sworn in last week, now also taking on the housing portfolio as well.